0: What's up Dolphins? Welcome into the Thursday, December the 27th edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show. We've got a half-hour bullet coming your way, full of information as we head into the off-season. It is the off-season preview podcast. As we go over the roster from an asset slash cost standpoint, potential cap casualties, the list of impending free agents, positional budgeting, and all that fun stuff. Plus, we go over the Dolphins' top priority needs in 2019, and as always, give you the latest updates from Dolphins Camp in Davie. But real quick, first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a five-star review. We have 250 reviews use a five-star rating on average so I appreciate all you guys for doing that follow me on Twitter at Lukeville NFL follow the show at LockedOnFins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com Jason Harina has a hell of a piece up there live right now talking about what went wrong in 2018 I'm gonna have this entire informational purge on the website as well here very soon and last but not least the other Locked on Sports family of podcasts Like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and get this thing cranking. That's another Miami Dolphins. So the B block is going to be the review of the offseason, but real quick, we have some information that continues to pour out of Davey as turnover looks likely definitely on the roster, but even possibly in the coaching staff as well as in the front office upstairs as well. And the news came out on Wednesday that it sounds like Mike Tannenbaum is done in Miami, the Dolphins executive VP of football operations was hired back in 2015. He was the head of the Indomitian Sioux push. Sounds like he will go out mostly because of his 2017 offseason that was really, really, really awful. And with him going out, the word from Armando Salguero and take that with a grain of salt, I suppose, is that two players or two people, I should say, in the Dolphins organization are fast rising under the eyes of Stephen Ross. And they are, of course, Dan Marino and also CEO Tom Garfinkel, who has done a fantastic job getting the Dolphins team, I suppose, back in touch with the fan base. The retro jerseys, obviously a big part of that. The new stadium upgrades, the surface at Hard Rock Stadium getting better than it was in 2017. But the big fear that I have with this entire group of information that we got from Salguero and the potential of what it could mean if they win this game on Sunday and decide to bring people back, which just sounds awful. Awful. That sounds like the worst decision ever. If they haven't made their decision already and they're counting on a Week 17 game, a meaningless game in Buffalo, of all places, if they pull out a win against a bad Bills team, is that really going to sway your opinion? Much like in the way of 2014 when the Dolphins were already done and won an irrelevant game against the Minnesota Vikings and Steven Ross could not handle his emotions and immediately announced the return of Joe Philbin in 2015. That ended poorly. He made it four games. Tony Sperano made it 13 games back in 2011 in his fourth year and now here we are possibly giving Adam Gaze the chance to win a meaningless game to secure his fourth year in which I'm sure he gets fired mid-season if that happens in 2019 so that that terrifies me what terrifies me less is that if they do go after the Adam Gaze route with Dan Marino making the decisions which I don't know about that either because he's a guy that Frankly, we don't know if he can do the job. We know he can throw a football, but those two things are irrelevant. I mean, I can do a podcast. Doesn't mean I can fly an airplane. I mean, they're not relevant at all. They don't intertwine whatsoever. But I think if that is the case, if that's the direction this team goes, I think Teddy Bridgewater is the definite odds on favorite to be under center opening day for the Miami Dolphins, probably for a sizable contract. I heard the Saints. People talk about the Saints not wanting to let him go after trading a third-round draft pick for him, but the Saints would probably have to commit $50 million between he and Drew Brees to the quarterback. They're not going to do that. Plus, they'll get a third-round comp pick for in exchange for Teddy Bridgewater as well. So it all goes out evenly, washes out for the Saints' perspective. And the Dolphins probably get Teddy Bridgewater to either hand the reins over to a rookie they draft this year or a rookie they draft in 2020 or whatever the case may be. Bridgewater likely to be the bridge. Some other news and notes for you guys from the Dolphins heading into this week 17 game. Xavier Howard is not likely to play. That is good news. I was worried the Dolphins were going to do something stupid and make him play this game for whatever reason. I do not know, but it sounds like he will not play. He'll be held out, shut down for the rest of the season after his big two pick and his two interception performance against the Buffalo Bills, following a two-pick performance against the Indianapolis Colts. So Xavier Howard goes out on a high note to end the year. Ryan Tannehill at his press availability on Wednesday talked about how he wants to end his career in Miami, and it's not going to happen, but it's nice to hear him say that. Obviously, he has an affinity for this organization, but it sounds like Tannehill will move on at the end of the season. Everyone seems to be pointing to that idea that Ryan Tannehill is going to be out in Miami his final game on Sunday at the Buffalo Bills. Speaking of finishing your career in Miami, that's what Cameron Wake wants to do. He said that the idea of playing another jersey is not ideal, but of course in this business all options are on the table, but he does not want to leave Miami, and we'll get to Cameron Wake and the rest of the free agents here in a minute. He of course would be another cheap contract for the Dolphins as far as getting that defensive end position filled, and I think Cameron Wake should basically be offered or afforded a lifetime contract as long as he wants it and maybe perhaps pull him back into more of a third down pass rusher role, more of that Trace Armstrong role back in the early 2000s when he was racking up sacks at a record pace alongside Jason Taylor. And then lastly, here's a note that I found very interesting because if Mike Tannenbaum is the one guy that does get chopped, the one guy that gets sacrificed, the one scapegoat, that means Adam Gay stays, that means... I suppose, minimal changes to the staff. I don't expect him to go out and hire some veteran defensive coordinator that he's not familiar with, that he doesn't have a working history with. That's been his MO. Will he find a play caller to take over for what he's been doing horribly this year? I doubt that. The staff likely stays the same, and that's why I worry about that. But as far as Mike Tannenbaum goes and the attachment to Ryan Tannehill with Adam Gase... It's funny because, as I told you guys in the podcast previously, what I had heard from Dolphins Camp was that Mike Tannenbaum loved both Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray, and now that Justin Herbert is staying in school, that could probably bump Kyler Murray up into the top 10 if he wasn't already there. I tend to think that he is, and that he might even go number one overall, which is where Miami would have to get to draft him, which, again, I would be all for that. I would give up. I would move heaven and earth to go out and get him. We'll see if that happens. I don't know. But it's just interesting that Mike Tannenbaum was the one that the note that I got from said source said that Mike Tannenbaum loves Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray, but also Mike Tannenbaum just loves anybody that's not Ryan Tannehill. And now Tannenbaum's going to be the one that goes. So is Tannehill done? I tend to think so, but I think this would be the only possible path for Ryan Tannehill to stay in Miami. Just Mike Tannenbaum goes, everybody else stays probably would be a draft pick at that point, and then Tannehill would be given the opportunity to win the job and be the bridge instead of Teddy Bridge Water. So We do have a game on Sunday, but I don't think anybody cares about the outcome of that game unless you're rooting against Adam Gaze to get a W to get to that illustrious 8-8 position we all crave so much and keep his job for next year. So we talked about the players to watch on yesterday's podcast. If you haven't checked that out, please go ahead and do so. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. But next here in the B Block, it's going to be a chunky one. We're going to talk all about the Dolphins 2019 offseason preview coming up next here the Lockdown Dolphins podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I am at Wingful NFL and the show is at Lockdown Fins on Twitter. We are on to 2019 as Dolphins fans. This is the time of year we truly relish. Who are we kidding? This team puts us in this position every single year where the offseason and the plan to get better is what we really crave and truly do love. Maybe one day that'll change, but not yet. So we're going to go over this 2019 plan, the list of players, position by position, the money owed, all the stuff that I just put on Twitter as I record this podcast here on a Wednesday evening. But you guys saw it if you're on Twitter, at Winkler NFL the whiteboard changing over from the in-season whiteboard to now the off-season whiteboard. And let's just go ahead and get things cranking here and talk about the quarterbacks. The Dolphins have two quarterbacks under contract for 2019. They are, of course, Ryan Tannehill and Luke Falk. Ryan Tannehill takes up about $17.5 million as far as cash owed. The cap hit we all know is higher, but it's all about cash owed. As I have learned from C.K. Parrott, you all know who he is. He is the one that talks about this stuff much better than I can as far as it goes with cap. But I do know it's all about cash owed. $17 million to Ryan Tannehill, about $500K to Luke Falk. All things told, that means $18 million at the position for the Dolphins. The NFL average is $22 million. So when they cut Ryan Tannehill, they're going to have a huge chunk of money to spend at the position and that's why I think Teddy Bridgewater slides right into that position in for Ryan Tannehill you take out the injury risk I suppose if you don't want to call Teddy an injury problem anymore you put him in there for Tannehill you take the cap hit and you're going to be right about league average as far as paying your quarterback while you try to get that bridge to the next guy at the running back position, only Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balazs are under contract. And also, I should go back to the quarterbacks. I have Ryan, Tannebel, Ryan Tannehill as a serviceable veteran and Luke Falk as too green to judge. The running backs, Kenyon Drake and Kalen Blage to me, are both core players. And this is more of a projection going forward. I think Kenyon Drake could jump into the blue. I think Kalen Balazs is not a core player yet, obviously, but I do think he will be one in 2019. And I do think Kenyon Drake could become blue if they start using him in the correct way that he should be use as a running back all things told they make up 1.2 million dollars of cap hit the league average is right under 7 million for the entire position so the Dolphins have a long way to go to get up there I imagine they add a third back and go really really cheap at the position and keep themselves in a spot where they can spend that rest of that money the savings at other positions so the Dolphins at running back are in a great spot right now wide receivers it's a little bit in between. There are three guys that also are core players, in my opinion. Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, and Kenny Stills. They are signed through 2020, 2019 for Jakeem Grant, and then 2020 for Kenny Stills. Albert Wilson, $7 bucks this next year. Jakeem Grant, just 720 a fantastic value there for the best return man and a good receiver as well. Kenny Stills do $8 bucks. I think all three of those guys are back and make up the top of the receiving core. Bryce Butler, he can be had for 800 k That contract is done, and they can just keep it as it is. He's a solid depth receiver there for that much money. Devontae Parker do $9.4 bucks. Danny Amendola do $6 bucks. I think both those guys go, especially if Gaze is gone. If Gaze stays, they might keep Amendola. But Bryce Butler was a serviceable veteran. Devontae Parker and Danny Amendola I have as cap casualties, as cuts, as guy they can do without. As the position goes for the Dolphins, they have $32 bucks wrapped up in this spot. $17 million is the average for the NFL. But of course, the Dolphins can clear out 15 million of that and get right back down to the average when they remove Parker and Amendola. The tight ends, two guys that are too green to judge obviously, the rookies, Durham Smythe and Mike Gasicki. Nick O'Leary is a serviceable veteran. They are through contracts with 2021 on the rookies, and Nick O'Leary is here through next season, through 2019. O'Leary makes 1.1 million bucks next year. Gasicki, 780K. Durham Smythe, 470K. All things told, they make about $2.5 million as a team, much lower than the $7 million average in the league offensive line the Dolphins don't have a lot of bodies here wrapped up however they do have a lot of money tied up in the guys that are on this list at least when you look at it contextually as far as what they offer from a skill set standpoint Laramie Tunzel a contract is due to him after the 2019 season I imagine Miami uses that fifth year option if they can't get it done he is the Dolphins One of the three players I have listed as a blue chip player. He is right there with 2.1 million bucks. Probably going to have to get that contract here sooner than later. Josh Sitton, I have a medical risk on him as well as Ryan Tannehill. But he is due 7 million bucks next year. I have him as a core player if they do bring him back at that cost. I wonder if they will, given the fact that he's 32 and getting kind of worse in his career. He's taken injuries each of the last three or four years now. So that's a big figure for him. Ted Larson, I have him as a dead man walking $2 $2 bucks owed to him in 2019. Dan Kilgore owed $2.8 million and he is signed through 2020. I think that he could probably be on the chopping block too, especially if there's a coaching change. For those four players, the Dolphins have $13.8 million tied up. Of course, you can cut half of that out just by getting rid of Josh Sitton and that is well below the $30 bucks the NFL spends on the offensive line. But of course, Miami with four bodies is going to have to sign a lot more than that to get up to that cash money spent in 20, <laughs> 2019. Cash money. That was a- a Freudian slip there. Okay. Defensive line, Vincent Taylor and Devon Godshaw, two core players for me. They both get the orange nod on the color coordination here. Both signed through 2020, both super cheap, 640K for Taylor, 645K for Godshaw. Fantastic. That's what you want to do to build a solid competitive roster all the way through. Guys like those two players, late round draft pick hits, money for your franchise. Up next, the opposite case. Robert Quinn, who I have down as a serviceable veteran, he is due 13 million bucks. I could probably put him in red and call him a cap casualty as well. Charles Harris, cap casualty. I got some some feedback on this on Twitter asking why would they cut him? He's only due 1.4 million bucks. He has some guaranteed money coming to him. Well, he's just awful on the football field. And if you don't think that can, is going to get better, don't waste your time anymore. Start training guys like Jonathan Woodard or maybe don't lose a guy like Cameron Malvo because those guys were lost just to get Charles Harris to give you this horrible performance in 2018. Andre Branch, do 7 million bucks. Ha, that's an easy decision. Kendrick Norton, he is too green to tell yet. 500K for him coming next year. Akeem Spence, I have as a serviceable veteran at 2.5 million bucks. That really could go either direction. All things told, the Dolphins do, are due 26 million bucks. To the defensive line in 2019 the NFL average is 25 million so some moving and shaking there obviously Andre Branch cuts that number down significantly Robert Quinn makes that number almost nil you get rid of those two guys that's 20 million bucks Dolphins all of a sudden only have six million bucks invested in the defensive line and then you can get Cameron Wake back and build from there so that's probably the direction they go on the D line at linebacker again two more core players and the Dolphins really are adding these guys up at this point Jerome Baker and Rayquan McMillan super cheap Baker's due through 21. McMillan's due through 2020. Baker is owed 650K and McMillan is owed 900K this next year. That looks pretty good for the linebacker spot. Kiko Alonso signed through 2020. He is due 8 million bucks in cash this next year. I don't see how you bring him back. Another reason I hope there's a coaching change because if the coaches are back and they've done it already before, I don't see why Kiko would be cut before that contract ends because they seem to love him more than they should. Chase Allen is a serviceable veteran. He is signed through next season as well. 645 k The Dolphins are due $10 bucks at linebacker. The NFL average is $18 million. Let's go back to the defensive backs now. Zavian Howard is due through 2019 and due just $1.3 million. He is the Dolphins' second blue chipper. And I went a little bit crazy on this one. I'm going to call Minka Fitzpatrick a blue chip player. I am viewing him that for the 2019 season. I think he'll be an elite player come next year. He is signed through 2021. He is due just $1.2 bucks in cash this coming season. Rashad Jones, I downgraded him. He used to be a blue chipper. He is now a core player. He is signed through 2022. He takes on a $13.1 million cash owed this coming season. The Dolphins will try to trade Rashad Jones. I have been told that. If they'll get it done, I highly doubt it. That is a huge number to move in a guy that hasn't been productive in a couple of years now. And then Bobby McCain, the slot cornerback, he is also a core player despite a bit of a down year this season, playing on the outside, playing through some injuries. He is due $5.6 bucks next year at the slot. I have two serviceable veterans here, TJ McDonald and Walt Aikens. Obviously a bit of a difference between those two guys, but I consider them both serviceable veterans. Aikens more for the special teams. McDonald for a guy that can give you a couple of games a year where he looks really good playing that box safety role. He is due 5 million bucks next year, but the Dolphins would actually accrue a bigger cap hit to cut him than if they kept him. So he's probably around for 2019. Walt Aikens is due 1.4 million bucks next year to be the special teams captain. That's not going to change. Jalen Davis, Cornell Armstrong, Torrey McTire, Cordray Tankersley, all in that rookie contract range. Davis and McTire due through 2019, Armstrong through 21, and Cordray Tankersley through 2020. And all those guys' dollar figures range between 670K to 570K for 2019. And the Dolphins at defensive back are due 25 million bucks. Again, most of that goes to Rashad Jones, half of it actually And the NFL average is $28 million. So those are the Dolphins' current cap obligations for 2019 they're going to have to make some changes to that and also some free agent decisions because this list of Dolphins free agents is massive we'll get to that next as well as some positions of need for 2019 and much more to come here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast offseason preview edition here on Locked On Podcast Network at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins Segment went a little bit too long, so I'm going to have to put the free agents to be on this next portion here as this podcast is going to be a little bit extended as we preview the offseason. Who wants a Buffalo Bills preview in a game that means absolutely nothing unless you're Adam Gaze and you're trying to keep your job? We're going to go ahead and keep this thing rolling, talking about the Dolphins free agents, and they have a lot of them. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Unrestricted free agents. We have three restricted free agents and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight exclusive rights free agents. And we'll get to those guys here in a minute. But the unrestricted free agents, Cam Wake, he made eight million bucks this year. I assume he comes back. William Hayes, four million bucks this year. The medical risk, I assume he's gone. Jawan James made just $2.1 million this year. But I assume the Dolphins make every effort to bring him back and solidify that right tackle position. They're going to have to do that because the offensive line, everywhere else besides left tackle, probably has to get remade. And they're are really light as far as who they owe money to on the offensive line. Put that money to Jawan James. Yeah, he's going to have three or four bad games a year, but he plays really well in about 12 games per year. So he's worth the money. Stefan Anthony dude or played for 2 million bucks this last year. I assume he's gone. Frank Gore 1.1 million. He can probably come back especially if Adam Gaze is here. John Denny 1.1 million. We'll see what happens there. The long snapper, who knows. Ziggy Hood, Marquise Gray, Sam Young, Brock Osweiler, David Os- David Fails. I assume all of those guys are going to be gone in 2019. Brandon Bolden, he could be back for a cheap salary for a special teams guy and a third or fourth running back. Travis Swanson, I thought, earned himself a chance to compete for a job on the interior offensive line. He made 850 k this year. You could probably get him back to give you some depth next year at worst case scenario for a cheap contract. Center Wesley Johnson, Sylvester Williams, defensive tackle. Cornerback Tony Lippett, forgot about him, and tight end AJ Derby, all unrestricted free agents, all guys that made under a million bucks this year. I assume all those guys go. So really just two, three, or four names on that list I expect to be brought back which means huge turnover as far as restricted free agents go Jake Brendel Leonte Carew and Sonoris Perry again all cheap guys I assume they find a way to bring back Brendel maybe Perry Leonte Carew I assume is asked to leave exclusive rights free agents Jonathan Woodard Isaac Asiata Maurice Smith Zach Stirrup Isaiah Ford Jalen Davis and Andrew East I didn't even know what he was on the roster or maybe it's a futures roster he's on there though we'll see what happens with him if he takes over for John Denny in the future But I did leave off a name. Jesse Davis, the right guard, is an exclusive rights free agent. I assume the Dolphins will sign him back at a very cheap deal because he did not have a good year this year. And you can put him in for a swing starter, maybe a sixth offensive lineman if you can't do any better. So that list is lengthy. I assume the Dolphins are going to turn over about 50% of this roster this coming offseason. And why not? It seems like a great chance to really do a full rebuild of this roster a prime position to do it if they want to just go ahead and strip everything down in the front office build off those core players avian howard minka fitzpatrick laramie tunzel devon godshaw vincent taylor albert wilson jakeem grant Kenyon drake build around those guys and get yourself a fresh start and start competing for the afc east once tom brady and bill belichick are gone and things are wide open there great opportunity to do so. Will they do it? I sure as hell hope so. And it's interesting to evaluate Mike Tannenbaum's 2018 and what the general expectations were for 2018 across the NFL landscape, across the media landscape, because we all know that everyone predicted this team was going to be quite awful in 2018. But I think that if they bring Adam Gaze back with this chance to really gut the roster and change things over, some of those patchworks jobs by Mike Tannenbaum did enough to make this team competitive and kept them in games as far as the offensive line went, as far as Robert Quinn, maybe even Danny Amendola. We all know what Albert Wilson meant in the early part of the season, basically winning a game or two single-handedly for the Dolphins on his own right, but that 2018 season was really just bandaged over. And while I was kind of bullish on the season, I thought they did a good job of plugging holes. They'll probably try to do it again this season if it's Dan Marino in charge of it. First time could be a learning experience. I think there's a good chance if they go with the Marino, Gaze, and Greer approach, they'll add some guys in the draft as they have done every year under Chris Greer. But I think that they'll go through some really bad growing pains. And you might be able to take those 2018 expectations and put them on to 2019 and expect to have the year everyone thought you were going to have this year, next year in 2019. But the good news is, and I know nobody wants to mail in an entire season. I sir as hell don't. I don't want to tank. But if that's the approach they take, 2020 is a chance to really hit a home run in the quarterback draft class, of course, if you can't get Kyler Murray this year. So if they are going to bottom out, next year wouldn't be the worst time to do it. So 28 players whose future are up in the air right now. Not really sure what they're going to do with that. I do have some more information before we sign off on this podcast. Real quick, it sounds like the Dolphins should have an idea for who their opponents are going to be in 2019. At home, the Patriots, Jets, and Bills, we all know about that. They'll play the Bengals and the Ravens as part of the AFC North divisional battle there. In the NFC East, the Washington Redskins and Philadelphia Eagles. And the one left to be decided there at home will be either the Indianapolis Colts or the Tennessee Titans with Blaine Gabbert not playing this week, it sounds like I'm going to take the Colts to win that game and get second place in the division. And for the Texans to beat the Jaguars, therefore the Colts finish second, which is who the Dolphins will play, the Colts. And then on the road, of course, the Patriots, Bills, and Jets. At the Chargers, they are the second-placed AFC West team. And I might have those backwards as far as who's home and away, but I, I'm not sure. Either way, they play the Colts and the Chargers. Not sure which ones at home or on the road. The Steelers and Browns, part of the AFC North on the road, and the Giants and the Cowboys, part of the NFC East on the road. The Dolphins currently have the first, their first-round draft pick, which right now is number 15. That could shoot up if they lose on Sunday, could go down if they win on Sunday. And they have every other pick, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. And they have several seventh-round picks that they've traded away for this season. So a full complement of draft picks. And then as far as their top needs go, I have them in this order and it looks pretty rough because I color coordinated it once again based upon snaps played. The quarterback, one, obviously a green player, a guy that has to play every snap. The defensive end position, someone that probably can play 75% or more of the snaps there. Cornerback, two. So those are my top three needs. Quarterback, defensive end, and CB2. Moving Minka Fitzpatrick back to safety. The fourth highest need is a complimentary defensive end, probably a 60% snap taker. They're going to have to remake that defensive line particularly at the edge rusher position. So they're going to do that. The guard on the offensive line, the center, probably both starters there. They're going to have needs at those spots. And then some more role players, defensive tackle number two, or number three, I should say, linebacker number three, and a wide receiver in there at some point. So this team, plenty of holes, plenty of needs, a 50% roster changeover, likely front office changes we'll see what happens with that we'll have more for you guys as far as the news goes with this team in the coming days and the coming weeks as we expect changes just not sure where exactly they will be but in the Lockdown Dolphins podcast is where you can get all your information as it pertains to this Miami Dolphins team every single day all right and that is going to be it for the podcast almost got that done in one take Pretty impressive, I might say, on my own part here. But as for this show, let's go ahead and get out of here. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at WinfieldNFL. Follow the show, at LockedOnFins, and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Thursday. Be back tomorrow for a Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.